everybody. Hey, I just want to welcome you guys here to Fireside and just uh, on this gloomy day, man, golly, it has been raining and don't look at the weather app because you'll get depressed. Um, and we are so thankful to be here and so thankful to just be able to, to gather in God's presence. And as we kind of make our way through the life of David, if, if you listened to last week's message and there was kind of like, hey, you know, I, I believe I want to kind of jump into this finding freedom thing. Last week on Tuesday, um, they met and from what I heard, I wasn't there. Kate was there. It was just an amazing time. And so if that's something you want to jump into. It is an open enrollment. You can jump into that, and I encourage you to do that. And a couple other things that we have coming up is that not this week, but the following week, we have a parenting session that's going to start. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, I need it. <laughs> I need to be equipped. And we also have a welcome to Fireside um, night at our house, May 16th. For anybody, maybe you've been here for a while, like, hey, what's that next step? Or maybe you're, you're brand new. This is to ask questions, but also to, to just kind of hear the vision that God has put on his heart. But this time, I want to continue in David's story. And if you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Samuel 16. And this is where David is going to be anointed as king. So the story goes that Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul was not the king. Um, he didn't obey God. And so Samuel was the prophet. And so God told Samuel, you know what? I'm done with Saul. It's time to get a new king in place. And he's told Samuel to go to Bethlehem, to Jesse's home. And one of his sons is going to be anointed as the king. So this is where we pick up the story. First Samuel 16. It will be behind me as well. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, one of the sons of Jesse, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abedad and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Well, there still is the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Would you pray? Lord, we pray that these words are your words. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you convict us? Would you empower us as we listen to David's life as it impacts our life? And would we know that we are created with purpose uniquely and wonderfully? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 1938, pre-TV days, pre-Netflix, pre-Amazon, if you're in high school, this is called The Radio. And they would have radio shows, and there was this one radio show that aired on October 30th, 8 p.m., 1938, on CBS Radio, and it was called The War of Worlds. 
And, and what it was, was it was a reenactment. It was a drama of an alien invasion. So they're going through the show. Then all of a sudden, a newscaster interrupts and says that there are aliens that are landing in New Jersey. And they're shooting lasers. And they're killing all the police. And then it goes on. And there's mass mayhem. They have sound effects. And then it ends with one of the newscasters is on top of a building in Manhattan. And they say they've released the gas. And people are dropping like flies. And then all of a sudden, the newscaster says, is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? And people had no idea, many people had no idea this was a, a fake thing, and they went crazy. You will hear stories of uh, a military, a National Guard, calling up their supervisors saying, where are we going to meet to battle these aliens? 911 in New Jersey alone in one town received 2,000 calls. There were reports of people having suicide. People would run covering their masks with the, from the gas. One lady sued CBS because she was sprinting from her car with her mouth covered and fell and broke her arm. And there was mass hysteria because they believed that there was an attack of aliens coming. How, what you believe, how you behave, is based on what you believe. This is where we're going to lean into, and I really want us to uh, kind of ingrain that. How you behave is based on what you believe. David believed that he was anointed. David believed that he had the Spirit of God upon him, and his behavior reflected that belief throughout his whole entire life. David believed that God had chosen him to be the next king. Do you think David would raise his hand and voluntarily fight Goliath if he didn't believe that God was on upon him and empowering him? David was a warrior. He had amazing victories as a king. But even before that, he went out and he killed a hundred Philistines by himself. He ran from Saul, who was trying to kill him, but yet he didn't flee the country a lot. He said, no, I need to stay here because I believe that God has a destiny for me, a destiny to be king. He has given me the spirit of the Lord, and my behavior is going to reflect my belief. So the question is, what do you believe? You have been anointed. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again for you, and you have received the Holy Spirit, and you have been anointed. 1 John 2.20 says this, you, this is a letter to the church, you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Another translation says this, you have been set apart, specially gifted, and prepared by the Holy Spirit. You have the same access to the same Spirit that David had. And when you believe that you have the spirit living in you, it should and will change how you behave. Paul says in Ephesians 1.11, Before you were born, he gave us our destiny, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Another translation uh, says the word predestination. 
Now, if you grew up in the church, you know there's an argument there of a, are we predestined? Meaning, the argument goes like this. Did God know who was going to end in heaven and hell before they were born? And we're not going to go there, but I will say this. I do believe that we all have a destiny, that God wants all of us to follow him. I believe it's his desire for all of his children to obey and follow him. I do believe that. I also believe that for all of his followers, he has prepared great things for us to do for his kingdom. So one, I believe that God wants all of us to follow him. And those who follow him, I believe that he wants us to actively work on building his kingdom. Paul says in Ephesians 2, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. God has created us uniquely, and he has a purpose for us. He has prepared things for us to do for him. Not for us, for him. And we are created. I always imagine, imagine when God formed us, that he put us, gave us these gifts, and like, oh, I'm going to give them the gift of hospitality. I'm going to give them the gift of humor. I'm going to give them the gift of extrovertedness or introvertedness. I'm going to give them a passion. And as he's crafting us, he's like, I can't wait to release them into the world and for them to have such a huge impact on my kingdom. And I believe that for all of us. Elizabeth Elliot says, God equips the called, doesn't call the equipped. So if you're feeling, well, I am less than, just know that you are anointed and you are destined to do great things for the Lord. So the question is this. What prevents us from the destiny that God has in store for us in terms of building his kingdom? And I want to look at the life of David to point out some of the things that we can see in his life. Many have married many parallels to our life. I'm not a four-point sermon kind of guy, but this does have four points. If you're writing notes, if you are on your phones, you can, you can kind of jot down things. But number one is this. We want to be outstanding, but we don't want to stand out. We want to be outstanding. We want to do outstanding things for the Lord, but we are hesitant to stand out. When I was in college, I went to college to play basketball. When that didn't work out, my roommate was like, hey, there's this improv club called Sweaty Tooth Madman at Gordon College. I think we should try out. The last time I did anything, actually the only time I did anything in theater was when I was in fourth grade. I was Smee and Peter Pan. Crushed it, by the way. But other than that, I had no acting experience, never been a performer in that way. I was an athlete. So I said, I'll go with you. And I made it. I couldn't believe it. So I make this improv team. So did my roommate. And the goal of improv is to entertain people, hopefully make them laugh. But you have no script. You're taking suggestions from the audience. Say, hey, give me a place, the Bahamas. Give me a person, vampire. Give me a, a, a scenario. Well, the vampire is in Bahamas and can't have sun. Go. See, there's a freebie for you. That's kind of improv. And then you act that out. And you have no script. And so when I first did it, I was very hesitant. You know, I'm going to bomb. It's a scary thing. you got to really put yourself out there. And sometimes, and oftentimes, most of the time, when I did, it would be received with nothing. <laughs> I would do something and do something really outrageous, really crazy, roll around, and you got nothing. And so I remember thinking, like, well, 
what's worse, not participating or failing? Then I realized that out of the 10 times I put myself out there, if one of those times I hit a home run, it kind of erased all nine of the times, and it was worth it. People would, like, laugh and be hysteric, and at the end of the show, like, man, what you did, that was hilarious. I can't believe it. Like, I don't know. Forgot all the nine times I bombed, and so therefore, I'm like, you know what? The way this works is you just got to put yourself out there. You got to make yourself look like a fool, and therefore, you'll have success. But many times as believers, we don't want to stand out. Michael Jordan says, we will miss 100% of the shots you don't take. David's life, we talked about this last week, he is dancing before the Lord. He is going crazy. His wife, Michael, is like, David, what are you doing? This is not kingly. No, she's the uh, daughter of Saul. It's like, this is not how a king is supposed to act. And then David rebuttals, like, do you understand the Lord? I am so excited. The Ark of the Covenant here, I can't control it. I'm going to act like a maniac. And so are you willing to do the same? But many times we like to hide. We're like, I don't want to stand out. So if someone says, hey, or, do you believe in Jesus? We're like, eh. <laughs> Depends on who you're asking in the scenario. But I want to do outstanding things for the Lord. I mean, I would like to say, like, everyone here would say, yes, yeah, sign me up. I want to be known as someone who did outstanding things for the Lord, but I don't want to stand out. Do you resonate with that? We will think others will think we're crazy or weird because of our beliefs. A couple years ago, I was visiting someone, a friend of ours, in the ER. And me and my friend came, and we're in the waiting room, and he sees this lady crying. And he says, Andy, we got we to gotta go over and pray with her. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. <laughs> it's like, no. So he goes over there. It's like, excuse me, miss. And he gets on his knees like, I'm going to, and I don't even think he asked. He's like, I'm going to pray for you. And tears are nice. She's like, I would love that. And we had the most powerful prayer experience there in the ER. I don't know what happened, but it was convicting for me because that's not the first thing that came to my mind. Maybe I'm like, I'll, I'll pray for you. Go in the corner, pray in my mind, pretend I'm on my phone, but pray. Are you willing to stand out so you would be? doing outstanding things for the Lord. The second thing is, I mentioned this years ago, and it stuck with me, and I want to share it with you, is that we often want to be comfortable. Our comfortability prevents us from doing the things God has called us to do. In 1 Samuel 22, this is when David is being chased by Saul. Saul is killing him, and says this, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers in his, in his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. It goes on that he went on the outside of Israel. So Saul had jurisdiction of Israel, but when you went on the outside in a different country, he can't come and attack you. So he goes to this cave. He actually later goes to the king and to the foreign king and says, hey, is it okay if we kind of hang out here? And he's like, sure, you can hang out here. He brings all his family, all of his family hang out in this cave that they call the stronghold, place of comfort. Don't we do the same thing? Oh, I'm just going to, when, when things get rough, things get scary, you know, I, I want to bring my family in and I just want to create the safe place of protection where the enemy can't get us. You know, where we're just going to kind of huddle in and we're just going to be together. I mean, 
Isn't it interesting that the things that God has called us to steward can so easily become our idols? Whether it's our job, our finances, our possessions, our kids, our spouses, our friends, God has given those. Those are a blessing to us to steward, but there's a line from stewardship to idolatry. So here David is in his cave. And then, in verse 4, I love this, and then they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold, his family. Then the prophet Gad said to David, so the Lord uses the prophet Gad to tell David this, do not remain in the stronghold, depart and go into the land of Judah. David, you have a destiny to be king. A destiny to do outstanding things for the Lord. You cannot remain in your place of comfort that you've created. You need to step outside and do the thing that I am calling you to do. You've been anointed and appointed by God Almighty. And David says in Psalm 18 too, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. And David switches it. He says, you know what? Stronghold is not a place. Stronghold is a person. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. And the beauty about that is wherever you go, Jesus goes. The Spirit dwells inside of you. Your stronghold, your place of comfort is not situational. It's not circumstantial. It's a belief system. It's a faith. You can do everything you can to create your place of comfort. But God is calling you to step outside of your comfort zone to do the things that God has called you to do and advanced for you to do. And so when you think about, oh, it's just too big, I can't do it, this is my comfort place, just know that God is with you wherever you make, wherever you go. Point three, there is no other you. So live like no other. There is no other you, so live like no other. Psalm 149 David says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Right before David goes to battle Goliath, Saul brings him in and says, hey, put on my armor. Put on my armor. You're going. And, Sam, and David says this, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. See, God had prepared David uniquely for the things that he was destined to do. His past, he says, I've killed lions, I've killed bears, I've done it with a slingshot, and this is how God has prepared for me, so I'm going to go out this way. Where Saul's like, no, 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 this is how you're supposed to do it. Here, wear this, do this, be like everybody else. But the reality is you are uniquely, wonderfully, and fearfully made. There is no other you. One of my pet peeves is as our church, it is amazing. We have over 80 people that are on our teams. And teams make this whole operation work. We have a welcome team, a good pie team. They all rotate his team. And there will be times if throughout the last 20 years of my ministry, you ride heavily on other people because it's, it's a team approach. And people will call me, whether it's a program, and they'll say, hey, do you need me tonight or tomorrow? 
It's, it's a question. What they're asking is, are you going to survive the program if I'm not there? There's oftentimes some that's like, yeah, we will be okay. We have enough warm bodies. We have pulses in there. And there are other times like, no, we do need you. You have to come. But the question in itself always irks me because here's what I believe is I want to say, no, of course we need you because you're the only you. You are irreplaceable. When you are not here, we are without. Will the program continue? Yes, but the program will continue less than if you're not here. You are the only you. God has placed you in the only place that you've been in. He's placed you with a purpose. He has called you to do the things that only you can do. So the question is not whether you're needed, but the question is, you know, how can I impact the kingdom uniquely? There's no other you, so live like no other. Number four, where your heart is, your treasure is. This is a belief that will change how you behave. David, he wanted to build the temple. It was still in tabernacle, still like a mobile tent. And he ended up handing that down to Solomon. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about David, how David parented his hiccups, but also his successes. And so he wanted his legacy to be one that he had a heart for God. That was the belief he had. Well, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This past week, my mom is moving and my childhood home, 3,000 square feet, beautiful home, and it's just time for my mom to move, and we've been cleaning out things. We've taken three dumpsters to the, to the uh, trash. We were there. We had, like, packed probably 40, 50 boxes, and I just remember thinking, man, we have so much stuff. You probably feel at your house. Anytime you do a renovation, we're like, hey, we're going to clean out the basement, and you're like, where did this stuff come from? We found my dad's old hockey skates. My dad was a hockey player, and these skates were very special. He actually went to Montreal to purchase these hockey skates. This was before Amazon, before Internet. He took a bus to Montreal to purchase these skates because he knew these were the best skates. And so they were his pride and joy. This is what he skated in, in college at UMaine. This is what he skated after in men's leagues. And here they are hanging in the garage, all dirty and dusty and all taped up. Isn't it so crazy that something that was so valuable can become junk? What about you? What are the things that you value the most? And have you taken an inventory of your treasure? I'm not talking about your possessions. I'm not talking about going to your bank account and log in to see how much you have in your state. I'm talking about your eternal treasure, the e impact that you've had on God's kingdom. When you open that up, what do you find? I always remember my grandfather's funeral. When we were going to the gravesite, I looked back and there was a line of cars 
that you couldn't see the end of for miles. He was a pastor. He impacted so many. And I remember hearing story after story. And as a nine-year-old, I thought, this is what I want for my life. I don't want to hand down money, cars, or a house. I want to leave Jesus. This is the impact that I want. This is the impact that God is calling you. And make no mistake, God has an agenda for your life. God has an agenda for your life. He has a destiny for you, for his kingdom. At Fireside, as we've been starting our membership program and all the things that we do, we will say we, as a church, have an agenda for everyone's life. We have an agenda for your life. We want people to get involved. We want people to be here beyond a Sunday morning. i got to be honest with you. I am not content with people that just come on a Sunday morning. That's just not the agenda that I believe God has for you. And it's not the agenda that Fireside is a great start. But the programs that we put into place are there so people could live out their life. There are a launching pad, an equipping place for people to live their life equipped to build God's kingdom, to be outstanding, to live the destiny that God has called them out to do. So my hope is that if anyone here is like, hey, I'm ready. I want to know more. I want to take a next step. We would love to talk with you and connect with you. We have tables. We have teams. We have crews. We have sessions that are launching. These are all environments where we believe, environments and practices that we believe is the, putting you in the best position to live the, uh, God's agenda for your life. And I will say this. I said, I will invest in anyone who shows up. And I believe God feels the exact same way. Availability is more important than ability. So many times we think, well, I'm not able to do that. And I think God's just saying, well, I'm not asking if you're able. I'm just asking, would you be willing to be available? Let me handle your ability. Because after all, it's me working through you not you working through you. As Elizabeth Ellis said, when we said prayer, God calls, God does not call the equipped, he equips the call. So if he has appointed you, just know that you have been anointed as well. So if it's a welcome to Fireside on May 16th, whatever it may be, would you just really consider being available to the agenda that God has for your life? And I get it. We look at David and we think, well, David was special. I mean, David was destined to be royalty, the king. I mean, if that happened to me, I would totally behave differently. If the United States came and said, hey, you know what? We want you to be the next president of the United States. You've been anointed. Here's your paperwork. See you in two years in the White House. You would act very differently. And I just want to say this. You too have been chosen into the royal family of God. Peter says this, you are chosen race. You are a family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
on Friday, we had the privilege of going to our friends as they adopted their baby girl. And we went to Beverly, we went to Salem for his adoption, and it was so emotional. Well, one, it was the day after Ellie's birthday. Ellie would have been 12 here on earth. And it was this beautiful image of a redemption story. You do new things, Lord. And here's this little girl that they are proclaiming is now a part of this amazing family. And then they go to the little girl and they say, do you want to be a part of their family? Do you want them to be as their parents? And she said with an outstanding yes in her three-year-old voice, yes. When we accept Jesus into our life, we've become, an adopt, we've become adopted into the royal family. We've become princes and princesses. A few years ago, when Ellie was in treatment, we wrote a book or a poem. And the reason came that Ellie was battling. She was losing her hair. She was not strong like other kids. And you could just tell that she was kind of frustrated, kind of doubting her purpose, doubting her abilities. Probably as many as you do right now. I mean, I'm not worth it. I'm not able to. I can't do this. And so one thing I thought would help is, I mean, Ellie, I want you to know how great and how amazing you are, that you're adopted, that you are a princess. So we wrote this book. And, and so I had her do the drawings. Ellie was really into drawings and cartoons. And I knew that she did not do her best work on this particular cartoon. I'm like, Ellie, you rush through this. And she's like, Dad, like, like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. So I'm like, one day we are going to redo this. But I kept these uh, uh, drawings because I kept them because I thought, what if? Now, here's the thing. I firmly believed that God was going to heal Ellie. And my behaviors were a response to that belief. And I will say this. I do not regret that one bit. Hope is a beautiful thing and a needed thing. So I don't regret that at all. The one thing that I did sort of regret is because of that belief, I took those pictures two weeks before Ellie went to be with Jesus and said, God, I want you to know that I believe that you are going to heal my daughter. And I'm not going to keep these pictures as a just in case. And I went to the fire. Nobody knew. And I threw them into my fireplace and I'm watching them burn. One, it's kind of like mean as a father to burn your kids' drawings. But this was a sign of my obedience. Like, God, I'm all in. I believe that. Ellie went to go be with Jesus. And I remember thinking, man, why did I do that? But here's how good God is. Christmas. I wrote this little devotional for your kids. I open up Shutterfly because that's where we make it. And I log into a different account. And lo and behold, all the pictures are there. Somehow, I don't remember when, I had uploaded every picture onto a different Shutterfly account. I guess I was going to make a book or something. I don't know. And I remember I watching and I just have tears in my eyes. I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you for that reminder. And I think it's a reminder for all of us. So I want to share that with you if that's okay. So here's the title. It's called Every Girl is a Princess. You don't have to be tall nor small, nor do you have to attend a ball to be a princess. You don't have to have blonde hair, long hair, nor any hair at all to be a princess. You don't have to wear an expensive dress, nor be a dance well in distress to be a princess. 
You don't have to come from the sea, nor do you have to wave properly to be a princess. You don't have to live in a castle with big towers, nor do you have to have a garden with a lot of flowers to be a princess. You don't have to wear lots of makeup, nor drink tea from a special cup to be a princess. You don't have to go to a fancy school, nor do you need to have a kingdom to rule to be a princess. You don't have to know how to sing nor wear lots of bling to be a princess. You don't have to say fancy words nor have friends that are birds to be a princess. You don't have to wear a tiara nor wear pink mascara to be a princess. You don't have to do nor be any of those things. Being a princess is not about knowing what to do. It's about knowing who you are. And you are a child of God, the Father. And because God is a true king, that makes you a princess. As the band comes up and sings, I just want us all to take that heart that God has called each and one of you to be a part of his royal family, princes and princes of the God Almighty to do his work, to help him build his kingdom here on earth. You are destined to do that. He has appointed you and anointed you. His spirit is inside of you. So when you think that I'm not good enough, just know that you are not, but God is. And God is calling you. You have a destiny. I believe that. So what if everyone lived out their destiny here in this room? Imagine the work we could do for the Lord. Imagine the impact we could have on God's kingdom. But I don't want to outstanding. Well, you, I don't want to stand out. But if you want to be outstanding, you have to stand out. I just want to be comfortable in my place of comfort. No, God is your place of comfort. So step outside of that and know that God is with, with you. There is no other like you. So live like no other and do an inventory of your treasure. Dallas Willard is a, uh, a modern-day theologian, and he would, when he was asked what the purpose of life is, he would say this. He would say, our life is this. We are training for reigning. There's going to be a day where we rule side by side in the new heavens and the new earth. But God is calling us to help build today in the training field that we call earth. So my hope is this, that we would leave empowered, that we have, know that we've been anointed to be a prince or a prince, princess in God's kingdom. Lord, we receive this word, Jesus. Would you empower us? Lord, would you just reveal where you want us to go? And for, for the next two or three minutes, I just want us just to uh, be in silence as the band just plays a little bit. I just want us to reflect on that. I just want us to receive that. Lord, would you reveal, God, where are you calling me purposefully? Where are you calling me uniquely to build your kingdom? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Is it a place? Is it, what is it, Lord? What can I do? Is it to give? Is it to serve? What is it? Lord, I just say, we, it is a scary thing to open up our heart and say, Lord, I, I am open. I'm open. And so in this moment, as the band plays, and then they're going to sing their last song, could we just, could we just receive this together as a church family? 
Lord, would you, would you show me the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to do? And would you take away anything that's blocking me from living out the destiny that you have planned?